write about them. And one day, I came up with a crazy idea for my entire page while I was eating lunch with my friends in the cafeteria. So, you know when you like zone out in a particular direction? Like you're not normally like looking at anything, you're just like zoning. So imagine me zoning in the cafeteria. And I was zoning in the direction of a trash can. I don't know why, you're just zoning. But um, as I was zoning out, I saw this guy come up and like finally my attention like, you know, sparked. And then he threw away a plastic bottle into the trash can, which, I mean, it just kind of caught my attention. And then out of nowhere, like my curious brain as a journalist, like popped up and I was like, oh, I wonder how much recycling gets thrown away at our school. And then I was thinking, okay, so what are some other questions with that? So how much trash gets put into the recycling and how much of the recycling is recycled incorrectly, and why aren't there any info sheets on recycling in our high school? And it was just this entire spiral of questions. And what turned into a whole bunch of questions turned into uh, presenting this idea to my editorial staff. And then I started calling up the high school to see if I could take their entire trash and recycling from an entire lunch period. And then I called up my parents, and I asked them if I could borrow their truck and bring all of this trash and recycling to their house to sort it out. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure my parents thought I was insane, but um, lo and behold, this picture and this article was brought into existence. Um, yeah, so... I asked my journalism team if any of them would sort garbage on my parents' lawn with me. <laughs> and I gave them some gloves, and I, I can't believe they did this with me. We were like elbows deep in remains of smelly, gross pizza, pasta, old yogurt, unidentifiable things. We even sorted out the leftover liquid at the bottom of the garbage cans. And there was milk left over in bottles, and brown gravy, and other brown liquids, and we poured them into gallon jugs to just measure how much extra liquid we had. And then we um, counted all the extra cigarettes that were in there, the broken glass bottles, and I'm absolutely positive I had something in my hair, but I'm not sure what it was. So after hours of sorting and weighing, we found out how much food was wasted in a day. It's literally a pile of food in the center. Um, how many bottles were thrown away rather than recycled? What was in the recycling that was actually garbage? What was recycled incorrectly? And we shared this giant pie chart that may or may not have had pie in it. I'm not sure. Um, with our entire student body, and it has all the numbers of what was, what was in it. And then on the next page, we showed how to actually recycle properly. So what became a moment of just questioning turned into a passionate desire to change something at school, to help encourage people to waste less food, to encourage them to recycle and not just throw away everything, 
And you know what? It actually made a difference that was measurable at our school, which was so awesome. And all it took was a crazy plan, many hours of really gross work, my parents' desire to let us use their lawn, bless them, and <laughs> a lot of curiosity, a little courage, and a longing to see good change made in the world. So as you may have noticed, our sermon series this quarter is about character. So it's about the character of God, asking what is God like? How does he act? What does he care about? And the other part of our character series is about us. So as we come to follow God, we are called to become more and more like him in character. In fact, God made us in his image. So who can tell me, because we've mentioned this several times, who can tell me the theme verse that says this, that we are made in the image of God? Just shout out the... Yes, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. So we are made in God's image. And we are made to look and act like God from the beginning of time. So how can we adjust our character to look like how God made us to be in his image. So in the last few weeks, we've looked at different character traits of God. We've looked at how God is faithful, how he is loving, how he is a servant, and today we are looking at how he is just and passionate. So to get started, I figured I would ask the question, what is justice? Because um, I, I think a lot of times people misunderstand this word, justice. And since I am a nerd and I love looking at words, we're going to look at this word. So if you didn't know, the word justice occurs over 200 times in the Old Testament alone. So I'm pretty sure God is very passionate about justice. And to start with talking about justice, let's look at Micah 6, verse 8 which says, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. So what does God require of us? God says that one of the very things he requires is to act justly. So what does this word mean? The original language of this text is Hebrew, like most of the Old Testament. So if we want a full understanding of this word, we need to look at the original definition of the Hebrew term, which is mishpat. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but mishpat is <laughs> the word in Hebrew. And the basic meaning of mishpat is to treat people equitably or equally. So it doesn't just mean punishment, but it also, it, it means to give people their rights and to defend people. So sometimes I think we simplify justice to mean getting vengeance. Like if someone commits a murder, we want that person put in jail. But it's not just us like righting wrongs. That's not what justice is. It's justice is more than that. Justice is about defending others who are ignored and mistreated. It is about making sure people receive the same rights as everyone else. 
It means to look after the widowed, the orphaned, and the ignored. And if you read the Bible over and over again, you will see that God cares about defending people. He cares about the lowly, the sick, and the hurting. So our main text for tonight um, that also talks about justice is actually one of my favorite passages in scripture. So it's in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. So if you would look in your concordance um, in the front of the Bible and turn with me to Isaiah 61. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Isaiah, he was a prophet or a man of God who spoke God's words to the kingdom of Israel in the times before Jesus was on earth. And he literally spoke these words hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But Isaiah is known to have these remarkable prophecies telling the future. And they told the future about who Jesus would be, what he was like, and how he would come to save the entire world. And this is one of those passages that we're reading. So read with me Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So I find these verses remarkably beautiful. It shows God's heart so clearly. And this is what Jesus' life was all about and what he is still about today now that he is working through us. And what do these verses say he is about? He is about sharing the good news of salvation, about healing, broken, healing the brokenhearted, freeing prisoners, bringing light into darkness, bringing beauty and gladness and praise rather than mourning ashes and despair. I honestly believe these verses are a beautiful summary of what Jesus, is, what Jesus did on earth. And Jesus actually quotes Isaiah 61 as his mission statement. So if you turn with me, or you can look up here, Luke 4, verses 16 through 20, it says, he, as in Jesus, went to Nazareth before he had been, uh, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. So if you notice, Jesus went to church like every week. Isn't that cool? So, <laughs> and he stood up and read, uh, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And also, as a cultural note, um, if someone sat down in the synagogue, it meant that they were about to teach. So Jesus is proclaiming that he's about to teach something important. So the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So after Jesus quotes Isaiah 61, he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled. Today. So are you in need of any of these things that Jesus is proclaiming? Like today, if you need freedom, turn to Jesus. Today, if you want to be comforted in our mourning and desire gladness and praise, turn to him. He longs to fill us, to bind up our hearts, if only we will let him. So remember what we learned earlier, that we were made in Jesus' image, right? I said that. And remember at retreat... Um, Michael taught us uh, that God wants his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how are we doing at bringing God's kingdom? And if these verses are Jesus's mission statement, shouldn't they be ours as well if we were made in his image? So how do we become people who are hope and justice bringers? How do we help Jesus's kingdom to be brought here? So in the past few years, I haven't had a ton of passion. I haven't felt this burning desire to help others in the world. So you know that new craze of having like a letter board? This is more for like females. You know the like the like pretty letter board where you write like beautiful like phrases on it or mugs like witty phrases so um have any of you guys seen this one i think there's going to be a picture of it yes so i am not an early bird or a night owl i am some form of permanently exhausted pigeon (laughs) um so i'm pretty sure this describes my life (laughs) <laughs> especially right now. But um, any, any other permanently exhausted pigeons out there? Ah, uh, yeah. I'm feeling it. So how do we, exhausted pigeons, how do we become kingdom and justice bringers when all we can seem to do is just survive throughout a day? So sometimes I think the world has tricked us into thinking, If only we become passionate about something, we will be able to accomplish so much. Or another thing, they also say, uh, we must find what we are passionate about to change the world. So my world got flipped completely this summer when my husband recently gave me a gift, which was this yellow book with a woman on a scooter on it. Um, and it is called Beginner's Pluck, Build Your Life of Purpose and Impact Now. 
So this is written by an amazing woman. Her name is Liz Forkan Bohannon, and she is completely hilarious, also an exhausted pigeon, and um, she's a total goofball and really incredibly relatable. So Liz started out as a journalism major, and go figure, she became a journalist. Um, but as she was writing these stories and articles about the needs of people around the world, she realized something was off. For all of her words, all of the rallies she went to, she began to realize she didn't know a single person in real life who truly was underprivileged or struggling. So do you remember last week how Michael was talking about how rich we were, like how truly rich we are? Um, if you didn't know, if you're here at college, you are the top 1% of the world in wealth, whether or not you're doing it with loans or some other way. Um, we are insanely blessed. Even though sometimes it's hard to believe because we have surrounded ourselves with other insanely blessed people. So Liz is also, just like us, part of the top 1% of the world, and she felt convicted about how she was living, just a normal American life with all the resources, that she did something absolutely crazy. She quit her job in journalism and bought a one-way ticket to Africa. No, she didn't look up jobs there. And no, she did not even know where she was going to live. She just up and flew to Africa, <laughs> which is insane, right? Like, it's totally crazy. And I won't tell you her story, but I can tell you that um, she now owns a business literally helping so many women in Africa and Ethiopia have an income to go to university. Women who now have a voice in their country rather than just being married off at the age of 12. But here is what Liz realized. God has called us not to be exhausted bystanders living for ourselves. He has called us to be people who make an impact in the lives of those who are lost, hurting, and broken in whatever ways we can. We won't do that by sitting around, hanging out with people just like us, and we won't do it just through words, but through action. So tonight, I'm encouraging you to be people like Jesus and like Liz, to be people of hope and justice. And no, I am not saying you should quit school and move to Africa with literally no plan and no place to stay and all that Liz did. Um, but what I am saying is, what if we did become people who knew the needs of others and weren't afraid to act? So Liz said something powerful in her book that I hope I will never forget. Do you remember how I brought up that people sometimes say, we need to find our passion before we make a difference? So Liz advises something totally different. She says, and this is um, her quote exactly, you will never find your passion and purpose. Passion and purpose are not an object of desire or hidden treasure waiting to be discovered. 
They are a canvas that is waiting for you to get the first splatter of paint on it. They are a blank computer screen that needs 100,000 words on it to make a story, but because of math and stuff, you can't have 100,000 words until you have 10,000, and you can't have 10,000 before you write your first word. Passion isn't a pre-existing condition. A life of purpose and passion can't be found. It is the result of being brave, curious, and dare I say plucky. You do not find your passion and purpose. You build it. So I don't think we will ever find our passion to become people who bring justice and hope. I think it will take intentional living intentionally building a life meant to help others. So how do we intentionally build our lives to make a lasting impact, to bring God's kingdom and justice? By having eyes that are open, by having curiosity, and by having pluck. So to have open eyes, I encourage you to pray to God. I and ask him, like, who can I meet and where can I go now and in the future so that I don't just live a life for myself? And to have curiosity, ask questions, be a journalist, be on story in your own life to ask questions of what could change around you. And the last thing is to have pluck. And if you don't know what pluck means, don't worry, I don't think A lot of people in our population use this word very often anymore. Um, But it is an amazing word, and it means spirited and determined courage. So to be passionate justice bringers, we have to have courage. The courage to ask God to change our hearts for those around us. The courage to step out and act the courage to practice and build a life on small promises being kept, and the courage to live an intentional life. So worship team, if you'd be willing to come back up um, so we can get started on worship soon. I, I want to end with um, some reflection questions. Um, and I really encourage you guys to journal through these, either throughout worship or Um, after Chi Alpha, or, I mean, they're pretty intense questions, and I I came up with them um, because I was super convicted writing this message, like, this this stuff is really hard for me and good for me to think about, so the first question I have is, how are you making God look lately through your words and actions? Did I say that one? Yeah, okay. Um, Where in my life do I still need to grow in my character to look more like God? And number two, how do I know that, uh, who do I know that does not know God? And how does God want me to pray for them, talk to them, disciple them, and care for them? Then the last one is what things in the world are not as God wants them to be? How can I help bring God's kingdom and justice into these things? So to end, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for just wonderful people like Liz. I thank you for the words in your scripture that encourage us to be 
justice bringers in, in this world. I thank you that you don't call us to just um, live our lives by ourselves, but to really bring your kingdom here, that we would help people to know just how amazing you are. And I just pray that we would really take to heart your words in scripture and that we would uh, really process how, how can we live differently for the sake of your kingdom. So I pray all this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.